Good morning, Legacy Church. Um, I miss you. I pray that this finds you well. I hope you're doing well. I look forward to seeing you again when all of this passes through and we can gather again together. And on that note, we're going to try something new as a church today. Um, tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, we are going to host an open house. Uh, you'll find the link on the front page of our website. As you scroll down, it will say open house on it. Uh, feel free to invite whoever you want into that. It is definitely set up for us as a church, but I'm fine with anyone being in there. We just simply wanted to be accessible to you as church leadership and create an environment, a loose one, come and go as you're able where we can see each other. Um, I mean, at least as much as technology will allow us to do something like that. I want a chance not to preach Sermon 2.0, but to really give a short encouragement and really get some resource from you. I mean, I want to answer questions, but I'd like to gain some insight on how we as a church can walk alongside you to reach and be an influence in your neighborhood. Because if there's anything I've learned in the last two weeks, it's how brilliant some of you are. We have some brilliant and innovative and thoughtful people at Legacy, great missionaries, great caregivers, and I think it's times like this where I just want to grab everybody and bring them into the same room, put all that, all, all that thinking together. So we're going to try to do that digitally. So what I'll do is I'll open it up with a quick encouragement, but then I'd really like to just get quickly to asking a couple questions that we can all dialogue around, resource and encourage each other, and then pray together as a church family. Besides that, I just miss you and I want to see your face, and I know you want to see each other as well. So, with that behind us, I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Luke 10. Luke 10 is a beautiful passage where we are going to find Jesus inviting us into a much better place, a place of deep peace. And I want to show you where this is in the Bible and how it speaks to us today. Because if you're keeping up with the news and the things going on around you, you know it's shifting quickly, it's evolving. But it's also pretty obvious how uncertainty is starting to grow. What, what's before us doesn't look as sure. And in the middle of a big mess like this, I feel like there's a couple characters in the Bible that are going to be very, very helpful for us. A couple sisters taking different postures in the same room before a kind Jesus. It's Mary and Martha. And believe it or not, these sisters are going to show us how to interact with a shelter-in-home quarantine and a situation where we don't even have the tools that our medical professionals need in a stock market that's volatile. This passage is going to help us deal with all of that. And this is what it means for your Bible to be living and active and relevant for us today. There isn't a page in your Bible that does not speak volumes loudly to everything that we deal with today. How these sisters interact with Christ is literally going to connect to our lives and speak volumes for you and me today in March of 2020. And that's just how thoughtful God is for us in giving us something like His Word. He is relevant in His words for all times and for all troubles. You can trust your Bible. You can lean on the gospel in times like this. For instance... Today is going to be helpful for you if you find your heart troubled and busy, and I know I do, where we build scenarios in our mind of how we can land on our feet and take care of ourselves, how we can save ourselves. When we live like that, it builds a mind that is very busy. 
troubled and heavy and anxious. It requires a lot of attention. It keeps us up at night. Often it gives us a heavy heart. Now listen, it's wise to strategize and plan, to look forward. It's wise to do these things, but let's be honest. It's also easy for us to cross the line and go from a place of wise planning and strategic thinking to a place of frantic panic and anxious and the, the wringing of our hands on what we're going to do to save ourselves. And listen, I cross that line all the time, all the time. And in the moment, it doesn't feel like we're crossing it. In the moment, it feels like we're being prudent, like we're being wise to consider how we should make moves now to save us tomorrow. It, it feels prudent and it feels wise to just think, how can we rearrange today to save us tomorrow? But so often, we're doing something different. So often, what we're doing is we're building an existence and a reality where God is just not necessary anymore. Right? In fact, we're protecting ourselves. And what feels like a harsh environment where God isn't around, and He's definitely not good, so these sisters are going to teach us how to be active and strategic and exhaust ourselves in how to work hard, but how to do it for the glory of God and how to do it without being troubled and how to do it without being anxious. And it's going to be helpful as it kind of fits on the back of the last two weeks. The last couple weeks, we've looked at how the gospel story confronts the very things that are in our face today. Two weeks ago, we looked at how the gospel interacts with panic. We followed along some of the stories of the Bible, how we saw that our heart could be still and can have peace, even in the face of death. We looked at Jesus sleeping in the ship. We looked at Peter sleeping on a dungeon floor. And we looked at how peace reigns, even in the face of danger and death. And then last week, we looked at how the gospel story is not just the story of a sovereign God who is always in control, but also a suffering God who feels and understands what we feel and how this leads us and how we engage this thing we call suffering. We even learned how to lament a little bit to the glory of God last week. Now, although panic and although suffering are not out of the picture for us, we're already beginning to see it evolve into simply being anxious for what might happen tomorrow. We're finding ourselves troubled, nervous, worrisome, and this is to be expected. This is normal. We're finding ourselves troubled and anxious over our friends who are losing their businesses or who have already lost their job or who might be about to do that. Over our healthcare professionals and how they march into danger when they go to work and how they don't even have the gear that they need. We're nervous and we're troubled with those around us, family and friends, who are at risk for getting very sick or who are already very sick. We find ourselves troubled and panicked over our finances, over our future, our careers, our kids, our grandkids and their future, over our city, over our country. So much to be troubled over. There's just so much to be nervous about. And this is a trouble that we just carry with us. We wake up in the morning, it's there. We carry it all day. So let's look at Luke. Let's look at how Christ handles a troubled heart, an anxious heart. I'm going to start in verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. This is going to be the word of the Lord for us today. Luke says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha 
welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Okay, I'll tell you, for many today, it seems like a bad time to be focused on Jesus above all the other pressing matters swirling around us. It seems like a bad time. It seems like this is the time to be focused on the problem, to be focused on the issue, the task at hand, because there are pressing needs and these are pressing days. In fact, it might even feel a little bit irresponsible to create space to groom and nurture our affections for Jesus and how he loves us. It almost feels like we should be focused on something else at that time, preparing, being anxious, being troubled. Listen, I wished Mary could be here to preach this sermon to you today. You get Martha instead, and I'm sorry. I mean, just, just while meditating on this passage yesterday and considering Jesus' kindness to you and to me and to our beautiful church, my phone was bleeping and blurping and sending all kinds of notifications, and it was like a shiny petting on the ground or a squirrel running across the lawn. I was just distracted with a lot of things with a lot of issues, with a lot of pressing needs. Fires need to be put out. Opportunities are coming quickly and they're leaving just as fast. Trouble is brewing. So much to prepare for, so much to fix, so much to build. Phone call with good news, phone call with bad news, back to good news, back to bad news. No time to sit, no time to meditate. You just gotta pick something up and fight and plow and build fix. Listen, I get Martha in this passage. Even today when I read this passage, I want to just jump into this passage and just intercede. Jesus, you're getting it wrong. (laughs) Hospitality doesn't just show up. I mean, somebody has to be hospitable. Nobody gets served, Jesus, unless somebody picks up the tray and gets to work. You've got it all wrong. It's Martha that should get the gold star next to her name. It's Mary that's the flaco that's just sitting there doing nothing. I feel Martha's pain, trying to get something done, trying to execute while the Marys of the world just kind of slink and skulk around and practice their get out of work free speech. And that, I mean, and you can tell that's how my crooked heart will even see a Mary, the Marys of the world where they mooch off their parents and their clothes are all wrinkled and stuff is mildewing in their closet. These are the ones that did not buy toilet paper or rice. They let you do it, but they will come and ask you for it whenever they realize that they don't have enough. And so what does Martha say? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. And listen, that comes out of my imagination just as quickly as it comes out of Martha's mouth. I get Martha. And I'm sure Martha would have loved to have just taken a seat right next to Mary. And let's not forget, earlier in the passage, it's Martha that invited Jesus to come in and sit. It's her that wanted to be hospitable to Jesus. But she didn't sit down. Why? There's too much to be done. There's too much going on. Too many pressing needs. I mean, that's what she tells herself. That's what I tell myself. 
But let me tell you, Jesus' point in this passage is not that a contemplative life is more valuable than an active life. It's not that sitting is better than working. This is simply a lesson in priorities and focus. That's what's going on here. I think traditionally many of us have grown up hearing this passage taught in such a vein where it is put out that it is always a good time to pause. It's always a good time to kind of step off the track and sit down and spend an hour with Jesus. And it's always okay to do That is not being taught here. That is not what's going on. Now, there is a time to act and work and work furiously. There is a time to be active and exhaust yourself. Listen, there's a time to put down the guitar and the prayer journal and be a parent or a spouse or a hard worker or an inventor or an investor or a neighbor. There's a time to close the Bible and open up the chemistry book or the checkbook. There's a time. Jesus is not suggesting that activity stops, but that activity be done with a still heart, with a peaceful heart. Jesus is not discouraging Martha from service and hospitality, but from doing it frantically, from doing it with a troubled heart. You see, for Martha, the turbulence was not in her service, but it was in her heart. She was troubled, Jesus says, and busy over many things, anxious over many things. Friends, listen, here's the thing about Martha's from one to another maybe. We can appear to be industrious and efficient when in fact our hearts are just covered over with a frantic trouble and busyness. I mean, from one Martha to another, busyness is not always a sign of productivity. Sometimes it's just a sign of misplaced priorities and a misplaced focus. There's always something to be thinking about. There's always something to worry about, to be busy with, to strategize around, to plan for. There's always something. That's why Jesus says that she was anxious over many things. And that's true today. If it ever has been true, it's true today. Where we say to ourselves, what about my kids? What about my retirement? What about my job? What about my house? What about my food? My health? My neighbor? My city? My dreams? My hopes? And when our hearts get troubled and anxious, Isn't it easy to look across the room and see a Mary here or there that is not anxious, that is not troubled? In fact, someone who's connecting with Jesus. And isn't it easy for us to get grumpy about it when we see that person? Tell her to help me, she says, which is to be translated, I want her to be troubled like I am troubled. I want her anxiety to match my anxiety. By the way, this is why some of us get grumpy with others who did not prepare like we prepared, right? or who did not worry like we worried. We see them as irresponsible or weak or lazy because they don't have opinions as strong as our opinions. They don't think forward like we think forward. They didn't lose sleep like we did. They just kind of seem to loaf their way through life, right? Here's why we feel like that. Because if everybody was troubled and anxious like we were, then we feel less indicted by the fact that we are totally consumed with the pressing needs of this world more than we are Christ. You see, the implication in this text is that Martha is free to serve and be active, but with a content heart, with a peaceful heart. The implication for us is not that we should stop activity, but to be hospitable and rested into work and be an executive with a rested heart. 
with a peace about us, not to do it with a troubled heart or an anxious heart. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Jesus actually gives us um, the answer in the very last verse. We choose the better portion, the good portion, right? We adore Jesus over the cares of the world, no matter how pressing the needs feel. Now, this is difficult. It's difficult. But Paul did it, and it had a similar effect on Paul. Now, we'll see this a little bit later on, but in 2 Corinthians 4.16, I'm just going to read this to you. This is Paul speaking to a young church, and he says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this, and listen to how he describes it, light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Right? Now that right there that he just described, that is the good portion. This eternal weight of glory that is beyond any comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. They are forever. Friends, this is a huge passage for us today. Huge passage for us today. And this guy, Paul, he knows a couple things about affliction, right? I mean, if you just rewind and go a few verses before this passage, he says this about him and his traveling companions, that they were afflicted, they were crushed, they were persecuted, and they were struck down. Paul knew what anxiety felt like. He knew what a troubled heart felt like. In fact, he would look at what we're dealing with today, and he would call it hard. But he would also say it's momentary. It's momentary. He would say that what we're carrying on our shoulders is a heavy load. But it's also light in comparison, in comparison to the good portion that's awaiting. Paul would say that what you see on the news today is just passing, as well as the pain it's bringing you. That's passing as well. But he would say what is forever is the stuff you can't see. It's what God is doing in the middle of this big, fat mess that we can't see that is forever. Paul, just like Mary, found a content place at the feet of Jesus. Found a joy in the good portion. The good portion. He says this a little bit later. In his letter to the Philippians, he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, he says. In any and every circumstance, Paul says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. How? What is this secret? The secret to having a content heart while exhausting yourself. What is this secret that they're describing, that Paul is speaking to, where he can move and act and build and fix and yet have a peace, a content satisfaction about him? Friend, it's the gospel. It's the good news of God for mankind, for you and me. The story of how much God loves us, how he shows us, loving us through the person of Jesus, who lived and died and lived again. And he did so of his own cost, for our benefit, being raised from a grave to go and be at the right hand of God, sending us the very same spirit that raised him from the dead, and he intercedes for us, and he's building a place for us. He is the ultimate host, being very hospitable, as he creates this portion for us, something that will never be taken away. This gospel, 
being resolved that it is true, being resolved that it is for us, that will change you. That will lead him to be active while still sitting at the feet of Jesus. His grasp of this gospel would provoke him to exhaust himself and be active with planting churches that would plant churches, that would make disciples and leaders that would do the same all the way rippling through history. He would exhaust himself with a soul that was never exhausted. His spirit would never be exhausted. He would never be troubled or anxious. Friend, listen, all of this to say the answer to your various problems right now, and they are various because we have so many different households, it's not inactivity any more than it is overactivity. It's activity that is resolved that God is better and stronger than anything, all of the pressing needs around us. All of them. Every single one of them. Jesus was not telling her to put her drink tray down, but to put her troubled heart down. That's what he was asking. So why do we find ourselves troubled like Martha? I mean, if we really get behind the thing that's behind the thing that's behind the thing, why do we find ourselves troubled like this? Why do we give more weight to the virus and the, the, the stock market's volatility and our evaporating 401s and retirements? And why do we do that? Why do we give more weight to that than, as Paul describes, the eternal, radiant, irrevocable glory of God? Easy answer. We feel the needs of the world press in on us from all sides, and we're just unconvinced God can get the job done. We don't believe he can do it. He can't get it done or he won't get it done, which means you're going to have to get it done. You have to bench him, and then you have to step in. And friends, this is the genesis of a troubled heart. We, we put the weight of the world on our own shoulders because God's not going to carry it. This is the genesis of anxiety. In an anxious, troubled heart, it will go one of two directions when it bumps into problems. It will either save itself or it will escape from the problem. I mean, think about escape. It's the troubled heart that medicates itself. It's the anxious heart that medicates itself. We basically say, God, you're not good. I have to find good elsewhere. There is good out there and it will meet my need. You're obviously not good. In fact, you're keeping good away from me. So you are to be escaped from. And so we look for something else. Some of you, you feel the weight of all the afflictions around you and you just want to escape them all. You want to bolt right into an inactive place. You want to carry your troubled heart away from the Lord. You want to run out of this room with Jesus and Mary and Martha. You want to get away from it all anywhere else. But it's also the troubled heart that focuses so much on the problem that we can't even see that the creator of the universe and the savior and hero of our souls is sitting right there, is right there with us. We push him aside because he's not getting it done. We have to step in so that we can. Many of us today, we're carrying our troubled heart, not away from affliction, but into it. And we're doubling down. We're over thinking. We're overvaluing ourselves. We're overvaluing our responsibility and our obligation. We over-strategize. We over-plan. We over-exhaust. Here's the irony in this passage, is that we put the weight of the world on our shoulders when the God who created that world is right there with us, inviting us to enjoy Him, rest, and believe and trust and enjoy this good portion that Jesus is speaking about. We get so consumed with temporal things 
the eternal matters just fade into a distant background and it leaves us with a troubled and anxious heart. So we have afflictions, but they're light ones and they're momentary ones. We have troubles, but they're passing. They're passing. But we have a portion. And that is forever. And that is eternal. And it will never be taken away from us. I'll tell you, I know it's refreshing for me in this passage. It's subtle. But this troubled heart in Martha, it's not really finding a rebuke from Jesus as, as much as an invitation from Jesus. An invitation to rest in this good portion that we keep hearing about, a portion that cannot be removed, one that will last forever. Jesus, our hero, takes all of our troubles and anxieties off of our shoulders and puts them on his own and gives us ultimate rest. He does all the excruciating work. He does all the work to make us clean and to make us righteous. And that, that way we, we're free from that kind of work. We can't scrub ourselves clean enough. This is part of our good portion. Our focus on our own good above all else, it collides with Jesus' concern about his Father's glory and our good at his cost. But I think my favorite part of this better portion that we're hearing about today is that there's nothing on earth or in the heavens that can pull this inheritance away from us, this truth away from us. This is how the psalmist says it in Psalm 16, verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You see, a portion is an inheritance. Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart, they may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This portion, this inheritance, it's an intimate relationship that we share with a Jesus who smiles over us and adores us. And he understands the trouble in our heart. He's felt pain. He understands sadness. He was even tempted to be anxious. So this gives us some freedoms, this portion. One of them is, is you're free to fail. I know I say this all the week from the, every week from the pulpit, but you're free to fail. You're free to pretty much hit delete on everything that I've said so far. And if you are in fact in Christ and Christ is in you and you are a son or a daughter of the king and you fail at all of this, you need to know that you're free to do that because it won't adjust his love for you in one direction or the next. He cannot love you more than he currently does and he cannot love you less based on your behavior. So you're free to fail. But you are also free to swim in a sea of pressing needs without getting lost in it, without getting consumed in it. You are free to read the news without the pressure to think that everything is coming undone, without the pressure of being nervous or trying to fix tomorrow by rearranging today. It means you're free to even make the news by how you serve your city without any kind of being overwhelmed with anxiety. Listen, for the Marthas listening, I think we need to constantly choose this better portion every day. Every day. This is a road we have to travel every day. We have to prioritize this soul-setting rhythm every single day. Every day we get up and we pick up the serving tray to serve, to work, to build, to fix. And we enter a world 
full of pressing needs. And this doesn't matter. Listen, you could be homeschooling your kids who are typically at school, or you could be putting on a mask and marching straight into an ICU to work your tail off. You could be doing either one. Whether you have a family that is sick or whether your finances are going away right before your eyes, you are entering a world of pressing needs. So much to do, so little time, so much to worry about, not enough answers, too many questions, so much trouble, so much to fix. There is so much that this world is begging for when it comes to our hospitality and service and work and love as a church. So yeah, work hard. Work hard. Send emails. Drop food off. Make calls. Volunteer. Build. Read. Do. Post. Repost. Fight. Fix. Plow. We can do all of these things. But when we rest in the work He has done for us and in the inheritance he invites us to enjoy, we are in fact saying, God, you are sovereign, I am not. You hold everything together, not me. You carry the weight of the cosmos on your shoulders, I don't. We can work, we can work hard, we can spend ourselves, and we can do it with a heart that is not troubled, that is not exhausted. Listen, I have to do this every day. Personally, this is my factory setting, is to get up out of bed and as soon as my, heat, my feet hit the floor, I'm thinking like a Martha. I'm troubled, I'm busy. And friends, listen, you're either just like me or you love someone that is just like me or you are living with someone that is just like me. Our lives are full of responsibilities and deadlines and obligations and none of that's gonna change. But our hearts don't have to be frantic in this season. They don't have to be troubled. I agree with the psalmist, my flesh, my heart, my strength, my intellect, my very being. It might fade away. But God is the strength of my heart and my inheritance, my portion, forever. Forever. So I'd like to give you just a hard application. Last week I left you with a challenge to take time and lament. And I, I urge you to continue trying that, practicing how to lament. And I even put the notes on how to do this and how to lead your kids through this on our website, on the blog portion of our website. Um, but w w listen, we've also redone the landing page of our website to serve you better in this time. And that will probably be a moving target. It will change from week to week. But typically, the landing page for a website is made for people looking for a church guests, which is why only two of you have probably ever even seen the front page of our website. But we need a base camp of sorts for all of us to kind of travel through this quarantine time together. So I'm trying to add to our bag of tricks by using that front page. And so I'm, I'm encouraging to use it because as you scroll all the way down to the very bottom of the, just the front page, whether it's on your phone or on your desktop, you will find a section that says spiritual rhythms. And there's different buttons for different kinds of spiritual disciplines or rhythms, if you want to call it that. Um, lament is one. Uh, quietude is one. The Sabbath is one. How to read the Bible. Uh, how to pray a certain way is one. How to lead a group devotional is one. They're all different kinds, and we'll probably keep adding to that. But as I said a couple weeks ago, now is the time to practice those. Here's why. As we said two weeks ago, a mirror, virtually a spiritual mirror, has been pushed in front of you, kind of exposing you and showing you what you look like when you're under an incredible amount of pressure, when you're anxious and nervous and angry. We've seen the real selves in all of this. 
allowing us to see what we really trust in to give us what we think God is never going to give us. But friends, listen, you can grow in this season. You can grow fast in a season like this. Not, not from fixing your problems, but by taking your problems and meeting God with them. Just meeting God who you are, bringing every bit of who you are. Martha's not going to change in this passage by just putting the tray down and, and having some behavioral changes, but Martha's going to change by taking all of her, all of her needs and her issues and her failures and her fears and her insecurities and carrying them with her to meet with the one who can change her. Turning to God regularly to consider who He is and what He has done and how He sees us and how He loves us that is what will change you over time. So take time to work through some of these spiritual exercises and rhythms. Some are going to work better than others, right? But find out which one is easiest or which two or three are easiest for you to sit at the feet of Jesus and meditate on the better portion. To groom your love for God. To nurture your affections for what God has done for us. Because friends, listen, there is so much work to be done. So much work to be done right now. But we do that work knowing that all the real work has already been done. Our hard, exhausting, tireless work is framed by the work that God did for us on the cross. I'm going to quote Kevin DeYoung. He brilliantly says, Anytime we talk about what we should do every day, we must make clear what Christ has already done for us. We can rest because he worked. We can lay down our prideful busyness because he laid down his life. We can keep coming back to him in the midst of our failures because he keeps his promises to us. And yet, few things demonstrate our devotion to Christ more than making time with him a priority. A priority. If I could drill down and be even more practical in this, I would say start somewhere today. Try this every day where you just take five minutes, maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening. I set my watch to go off at certain times so I know when to step off the track. And I'll just ask myself a couple questions, right? Where have I felt most anxious today? Where has my heart been most troubled? Which might mean it's angry, which might mean it feels shame or depression. But where has my heart been the most troubled? And what does that mean about how I see God in that moment? And, and when you've asked yourself hard questions like that, then you can travel to the gospel and say, but how do I really know God is? And how has he proven that through the gospel? And so then if that's true, then how does that free me to live? Who does that free me to be? I think going through an exercise like that, which will be on the website, I think going through exercises like that is helpful even in a small measure when we practice them every day because we are in such an anxious and troubled season. They provoke us. They provoke us to bring ourselves to God in that moment, all of ourselves, as we are in that moment, anxious and failed, no fake masks, just our gritty self. And when we do, He receives us as friend. He welcomes us. And He welcomes us to enjoy and trust the better portion. And let me just tell you, sitting at the feet of eternity, when we practice this, it makes our affliction seem, as Paul says, light and momentary. We become less satisfied by what a screen can offer us. 
We become less infatuated with clearing the inbox or clearing the task list. We become less freaked out about the news. We become less angry about the news. We realize that the smartest thing ever said was not posted 22 seconds ago, but is actually timeless. We find ourselves not frenetic, not panicked, not anxious, not worrisome, not troubled. We find ourselves active, but with a rested heart. Friends, listen, we're a missional church. I mean, we love the Knoxville metro area. It's why we're here. Knoxville is our mission field. And yet I'm convinced that what makes Legacy's mission healthy and powerful is that it is built on the bedrock of moments where you and I stop and sit and adore Jesus. And get up and we work and we work hard, but we do it with a rested heart with a rested heart, knowing what God has done. And friends, that's what's going to free us to be present to those who are around us. Being hospitable, realistically, is just making room in our hearts to fit other people. Not always our houses, sometimes it's our hearts, but when our hearts are cluttered and full of trouble and full of anxiety, there's no room for anyone else. We're not present for anyone else. But we are free to be fully present because we don't have to put the world on our shoulders anymore. The creator of this world is in our living room and he is bidding us to come and sit. Now listen, I'm about to pray for us, but if you're a guest, maybe you're not a, a, a part of Legacy, a partner or a, a long-term attender of Legacy, and you just need to connect to somebody, particularly in a time like this. We've thought about that and there's a button on our front page where you can click on it says connect or get connected, and we will personally follow up with you and make sure that we can get you connected with some really good people. I think now, above many times, is a really good time to be connected. It's not a good time to be alone. If you're a guest and you just need to process with a pastor what's going on in your world, what's going on around you, listen, if you just have questions about Jesus, if you want to know how to become a Christian, if you have questions on whether you already are a Christian, we all, we've thought about that. We have a button on our website for that as well. You just scroll down and you will find it. Process with a pastor or meet with a pastor. And if you click on that, it will put you right inside of our calendar. And we would love to follow up with you, spend some time with you, and be a resource to you. But friends, listen, I love you all. And I miss you. And I'm ready to work. And I know you are too. And we can do it with a rested heart a heart that's convinced that the gospel is true and that the, the weight of the world is already on God's shoulders and need not be on ours. I love you and I hope to see you tonight at 6. God bless you and have a great day. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this time where we can meet even digitally or that your Holy Spirit is not flummoxed or frustrated with this, but your Spirit can find each of us, each of our hearts, right now in this moment scattered all over. We know that because you've been doing this for eons. And even today that you administer to anxious hearts, nervous hearts, troubled hearts. Father, that we would, could, could even visualize you bidding us to come and enjoy you. And, and not just enjoy a moment or two with you, but to enjoy the reality that you have given us yourself. That you're creating a space for us, a family, a reunion, a banquet. And there's a chair at that banqueting table that has our name on it. It will never be taken away. 
and we can enjoy that. And when we know that we have forever with you, we can work and build and fix with no anxiety today. So I pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit, Father, that we would repent for believing that you are not good, that we would repent for believing that you are not present, and that the pressing needs of this world are actually more important than even looking you in the eye. And Lord, as you lead us from repentance, that you would change us, that you would encourage us, that we would grow, that we would find a transformation even in a difficult mess like this. Father, we love you and we thank you. You're so very good and so very kind. You're so very loving and so very wise. You're so thoughtful for us. And it's in your name that we pray these things as a church. Amen.